to Handbrake. My name is Tristram and this is my good friend Dave. Hello. We are coming to you from a sunny place called Adelaide where it's a pleasant 30 degrees outside and this is a show about cars and stuff to do with cars. Loosely to do with cars actually. We, uh, we for this show we see ourselves doing on a weekly uh, basis at the moment. You are watching episode number one out of uh, hopefully many more to come. We're mostly going to be focusing on car news and uh, interesting things about cars we've noticed in the past week or so and uh, it, it should be hopefully quite interesting to watch. If it's not, uh, please let us know. Our email address is handbrake.tv at gmail.com and you can also visit our website at uh, http colon slash slash and all that funny whatever uh, handbrake.podbean.com Should we get into it? I think we should because it's been a fairly uh, tumultuous year uh, worldwide but yes. obviously certainly that uh, uh, rolls into the car industry as well uh, in the world of cars. Uh, what to what say? was your highlight? Highlight of 2008. Yeah, look, I don't like the car. But uh, Nissan Skyline GTR, sorry, just the GTR. It, it is, uh, it's really upset the European supercar community. What a car! Something of a giant killer. It's it's epic. I mean, let's put aside the whole is it faster or not than 911 Turbo around the Nurburgring Nordschleife. It's it's an epic car. The fact that it can even challenge a 911 Turbo and upset Porsche that they have to go get one elite or off the grey market and test verify the claims it's themselves. Because of the GT2 as well. Well that's the thing, it's it's, um, it's an amazing car. Amazing mm. car and hats off to Nissan for making such a phenomenal car. I don't like it myself uh, for reasons we'll probably discuss in a later episode but um, look, I it, what a car, what a car. How about you, Dave? My highlight actually comes from a uh, unconventional bit of a left field source again. Oh, I love again, these, from love uh, well, left field is in. I don't, as you may be aware, and our viewers over time will no doubt be made of made aware of as well. I don't particularly like a lot of or pretty any pretty much any of the cars that this particular manufacturer makes, which is a little awkward because they are the largest manufacturer of cars in the world. We are, of course, talking about Toyota. Uh, who have somehow turned boring into a commodity and are seemingly taking it's, over the world with it. Uh, for the guys who live outside of Australia, Australia's top-selling car is the Toyota Corolla, which is... That's the Commodore at the moment, but the Corolla's oh, really? been buying for... Yeah, they've well, been swapping back and forth. For most of the months throughout the year, you probably find the Corolla is the top-selling car in Australia. And it, uh, it's, it's what we would regard as a cardigan car. It's, mm. it's the essential car. It does... What it says on the tin, which you know, kudos to Toyota. If you don't like cars, buy one. Yeah, it's pretty much what it says, mate. Especially if you get one in white. Uh, white is a bit of a boring car. Grey, grey's good. Grey, grey's another safe colour. Mm. But it's uh, it's a car that, um, let's be honest, I don't like. You don't like. Great engine, but uh, it's it really doesn't turn me on mm. actually. Which makes it all the more surprising, really, when uh, I've sort of discovered. I don't know, I haven't really read a huge amount about it, I don't know, I think what most uh, journalists have said about it is that it's surprising, I don't even know if it's even for sale in Australia yet, but it is the Lexus ISF, which That's is been that... in concept form for how many years now? I mean, we've oh, seen various concepts of the I Lexus ISF for a number of years, it was going to have V8, it's, it's going to have a V10, it's going to have a yeah. hybrid V10, 
a, a big, they were sort of, well, sorry, went from a big ten to a station for several it's decades. Been for I a think, while, yeah. hasn't it? And yeah. um, it, oh, why, why is it taking you by surprise? I mean, we've known well, about it for so long. Just the actual concept, and they put it together. You know, when you have uh, Toyota, which I think I think you could seriously say for the last ten years have built nothing that they haven't first sat down in meetings for you know a considerable period of time definitely. and decided that no this car will definitely make us money it's not exciting it's not interesting it's but it's practical it's reliable it'll be you know bench tested to death to ensure that it covers every single criteria that we want it to uh, do but, but I hate to, I hate it's to not say exciting. It. I hate to say it. that's what kind of the common man wants or the common person I should say that's what they wanted a car they don't want it to break down and we can sit here because we're both car enthusiasts and say we want a car that breaks down in the middle of the motorway because it adds character. But you find that most people, when they're driving to work in the morning, they don't want a car that breaks down for them. They want a car that'll get them to work. And Toyota... Oh, look, that's fine. You know. made it a very marketable proposition. But it's got to the point now where almost any... There is no such thing... You can almost say there's no such thing as a bad car. There are cars that are going to turn you on. There are cars that are not. But they're not going to break down in convenient places, as, say, British cars would do in the 70s. Jaguars. I mean, well, you look at Jaguar, it's at the top of J.D. Power surveys. Mm. It's, it's an unbelievably reliable car. Mm. And if it's a, that to someone who's building Jaguars or owned a Jaguar in the 70s, they would probably laugh at you mm. because they were mm. notoriously unreliable. Well, Jaguar did make four out of, well, whatever the exchange rate is these days, but every four out of every five dollars, there's a cap there, uh, four out of every five dollars came in through the back door, which is a you know, sort of technical way of describing that they made, what's Pretty that percentage? 80% of their profits in repairs, which, rather than actually selling vehicles, which is what you would expect a car well, manufacturer right. to make yeah. money out of doing, if they were any good at it. But I think, sorry, just yeah, yeah. getting back to our original point, I think that the uh, Lexus ISF is surprising for all their Toyotas harping on about green pretend. Uh, you know credentials and yes. their endless army of hybrids and then there are there are the scale of just you know building anything four-wheel drive that's you know Hiluxes, Tundras, Land Cruisers and all their various gestations all that kind of stuff but in the middle just having nothing but bread and butter cars you know the Salikas no, there's the no Salika still around no no MR2 Salika, no MR2 no Supra's Supra's gone. there's there's nothing exciting in the, there's nothing in the Toyota brand uh, that we can purchase in Australia just under the Toyota no 16 valve Corollas or anything no, like there's, that no there's nothing there's nothing that really sort of turns me on at the moment I have to say mm. I mean they but do... this ISF could be the beginning of the turning of the crowd that's why it gets my Guernsey for uh, the most surprising, uh, most surprising and I think my favourite car of the year, I like the way it looks, I like the way it is, I don't know if that's actually any good, which, you know, may be an important factor, uh, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I think that it's a really good car, I think that it's, uh, well, no, I'm just contradicting myself there, I think it's a good looking car, and I we'll think that... We'll have to wait and see, I suppose, with how... I think purely, purely the, you know, through whatever engineer sort of steamrolled that through and got it on sale, whatever sort of department mm. managed yep. to push that through. They deserve a, a pat on the back and, a, and, a, and a, a seal of approval from myself. Good work. I'm probably never going to be able to afford to, to buy one, but from, from me, uh, you've done well. Toyota or Lexus or whoever was responsible for that. And yeah. 2009. 2009 is 
as we're filming, it's the, uh, well, the 2nd of January today, I believe. It, or the 3rd? 3rd or the 2nd? 3rd. It's the 3rd today. So uh, it's going, we're three days into the new year. We've, uh, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, with the, with the uh, financial crisis in the US, um, Toyota have turned a loss for the first time in, in some phenomenal amount of years. I mm. don't know the number off the top of my head. That it's is about very surprising. 17 years or so. But uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting year for Toyota. But putting Toyota on one side, I think the big three of the US. Wow. Chrysler, General Motors and Ford, we're going to see, a, hopefully, I really do hope from the bottom of my heart, a shake-up in the American auto industry in the way that businesses run and the way that the American Big Three treat and approach their customers and produce cars for their customers. Because that's the thing we've seen recently, endless iterations of the same thing being pushed out. And uh, we don't see a lot of this in Australia. Uh, we get a lot of uh, Japanese and European imports come into Australia, mm. but General Motors and Ford do both produce uh, large cars in Australia for the local market. And but they're, they're entirely engineered for Australian conditions. That's the thing, they're, they're entirely engineered for Australian imports. conditions. The uh, General Motors subsidiary Holden do export them to the Middle East, so there is an export market there. Ford, Many unfortunately. Well, that's right, you can also uh, purchase it in the UK, the, uh, the, one of the top spec HSB. South Africa. Yes. Um, they, Many parts of Asia. So it would be nice to see if Ford would export their mark, uh, their current mm -hmm. car to other markets. Because oh, I think, I, honestly, look, we, can, we can argue endlessly which is better, Holden or Ford. They're both good cars. Mm. They're the best cars they've ever made. In terms down. of engineering. Oh, they're just fantastic. I think when it actually comes down to the production line, I think that's where a lot our of own version of JD Power, unfortunately, Holden and Ford are kind of... Yeah, not doing down. too well. That's probably... Yeah. Uh, but, but that's more to do with production, the, more so. Yeah, more so. The, not the actual engineering itself, but just the fact that, you know, they may be built by people who may not be actually paying attention to the task at yeah. hand, or they may just not actually care about what they're doing. They are good cars, though. And yes. I think for uh, what they are, it'd be nice to see... Uh, unfortunately, sales in Australia of these two large cars have not gone very well at all. Right, and it's a shame to see it. we're at the point of the market where Holden and Ford are producing very good variants of these cars. And they're not still cars. in their infancy of their production cycles. That's right, they're very early on. They've still got another seven, eight years, each of them, mm. to go within this cycle and to start on such a strong footing. And it's a shame to see the sales not going so well. Mm. I, mean, look, we but I think they're fighting against the market. But what I think is the, the big news of 2008 is if you no. told someone, sorry, 2009, <laughs> if you told someone five years ago that they couldn't, that uh, guess what, 2008, 2009, the big news is going to be the fact that Chrysler will be going to the wall. They may have said, well, you know, it's happened before. They it got has. bailed out in the late 70s, early 80s, whenever it was. But General Motors is going to the world's until... 18 months ago, the world's largest car manufacturer is in serious financial poo, then uh, you, you wouldn't have believed it. You would have said no. no. Said, That's very funny. Good joke. Uh -huh. Whatever. Uh -huh. Up your medication. See you later. <laughs> uh, but that is, the, that is the story now it's that, it's, it's, that it's, we're looking at. Because General Motors, they own a huge number of car companies around the world. Mm. And... 
they've had such an influence on... They have a lion's share of the domestic brands. They do, within the US market and, what and they within overseas? the Australian market. They own in Sweden, for example, as many people would know, Saab, mm. which uh, I don't think they've done a very good job at managing the brand and understanding what Saab is. They haven't really um, done anything with it at all. I mean, really. the biggest... For me, the biggest slap in the face for Saab and Saab owners and, and people who like Saab, and I respect Saab for what they are because it's a little bit quirky, was when uh, General Motors got uh, Subaru and Saab to produce an SUV, a sports utility vehicle, four-wheel drive for the American market, which was rubbish. It, it was not part of the Saab brand. It had a Saab logo on it, and, they, and you can even purchase a version as a Corvette engine in it. I'm sorry, Australia but that, that is smiling, not, but that, that's not Saab. I mean, it's nice to say I own a full drive with a, uh, with a Corvette engine in it, but you buy a Corvette because it is a Corvette. You don't buy a full drive because it's got a Corvette engine. It's a bit like the Dodge Viper with the uh, putting the Dodge Viper engine in the uh, Dodge Ram pickup truck. It's got a they eight. They are doing that. They are. That's right. Why would you, I mean, sure, it's a funny car to own, it'd be like, it would be a funny car to drive, but it's not a viable proposition for a long term. It's what you do for a very sh short run of a very special vehicle, but this wasn't a special vehicle. So, uh, I mean, that's, uh, look, we can get bogged down in this, but um, I don't think they've managed Saab very well. Mm. Um, I think uh, the way they handled Fiat was interesting. Uh, they do not have any ownership in Fiat now, and Fiat are turning a profit for themselves, which is funny. Well, they sold themselves out at a huge cost. That's right. To, you know, to, to mm -hmm. what the actual story was, was in 2000, they had uh, an option to buy shares in Fiat. Uh, well, they, they bought a large, well, I think like a 20% controlling, controlling yeah. stake, yep. the way financial things work somehow, even if you own 20% of a company, you can still sort of control how it works, even though you you know, don't own half of it or more 51% mm. or whatever. But anyway, um, with the option that within five years they had to buy the rest of it or they would face huge penalties unless there was, you know, various clauses to get them out of it. But none of those came up. What eventually happened was the Fiat kept on sort of sinking further and further, chewing up more and more lira, basically getting themselves into, you know, more... More uh, financial. financial yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and what they... Uh, eventually General Motors had to do was pay themselves out to the tune of, you know, the Billions GDP of, of Bolivia yeah. or something in order to get themselves out of this deal. And the ironic thing is now, of course, is that Fiat is now making, you know, certainly a, they're turning a decent coin. That's right. And General Motors is not doing that in the slightest. They're relying on uh, the, uh, the the Bush administration to... Bail them out. Bail them out. And, and Obama, you know, following up from this, Obama has also said he's willing to support the big three in the US. Um, but that's not to say he's going to bail them out from any crisis that should come their way. But it, it, it's also with the proviso that they need to change the way they do business. And I think the way you've, we've seen... Uh, we, I'm not saying we're an expert here, but I think they've been rather cynical in the way they've treated the American market. And I think, and it's going yeah, to be, I agree um, with that entirely. I think that that they they built cars that are just they have no relevance outside the the, the America. But I right. think that yeah, that's not a bad thing. Mm. Let, let's be honest. I mean, for example, Toyota makes cars specifically for the American market, the Tundra pickup truck, for example, and it make turns them a tidy profit. Mm. But uh, the consumer market is changing, and I think the big three. Uh, 
Uh, Ford have been pretty good at this actually recently. They've brought out some innovative vehicles that are, have noticed the way the market is changing. Fiesta. Uh, oh, that's right. So, uh, look, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, we're going to have lots to talk about the Detroit Motor Show coming up soon. Mm, so, we'll go into that in we will much, do it. much more detail. Oh, much, much, <laughs> it, it shall be, we're doing a episode dedicated just to mm. the Detroit Motor Show. So, I don't think we should spend any more time on this. Um, I, Let's turn it local for a little bit, for mm. the Australian viewers. Uh, it's going to be an uh, interesting couple of years for the local market. We've talked about how the big two, Holden and Ford, have um, no longer got the same market share that they used to have, which mm. is going to be interesting. People don't seem to buy their products as much as they used to be. Um, but you can, you can blame on various economic factors, as well as a reduction on tariffs for imported cars. Um, but uh, recently, Holden released news of a, just before Christmas actually, of a car, of a small hatch they'll be producing in Australia, in the Elizabeth plant here in Adelaide. And it will be based on the, on the next generation Astra, uh, the Delta platform, I understand. And it's going to be, hopefully, in an interesting car. It's going to be, what did they say, production start 2010 off, or 2011 off the top of my head. It, um, it is somewhat a predictable uh, course of events uh, for two reasons. Ford are going to be making a localised variant of the Focus. From 2011. That's yeah. right. But I think with this, it's going to be more localised than the Focus. The Focus will see more of a suspension package, uh, as they do in other markets in the world. Uh, probably, a I don't think we'll see a facelift on it. No. Uh, it will look like a focus that you can purchase in Europe. Yep. Uh, it'd be localised, for example, suspension, uh, engine management for local fuel and whatnot, but um, nothing to jump up and down about. So I think Holden is definitely uh, on the right track with this one, making a car a small hatch for the Australian market. What will be the crunch is two things, how much it's going to cost mm. and the reception it gets here. So guys, I think that they have missed They've missed the mark. You know, they're, they're, I can see what they're trying to do. I just don't think it's... It, it, will, it will work to a point, but I think they've missed an opportunity. If they'd done, mm. say, something similar to what they were doing with, you know, just sort of... I mean, what they're looking at at the moment is taking the next generation Astra or the current Astra or whatever they're going to use uh, and uh, just chucking a new nose, new tail on it, calling it, giving it a suitably Australian name and uh, chucking it on the marketplace. And it'll probably sell really well, unless of course the financial climate has a massive, you know, 180 and mm. suddenly, you know, the average wage is 120 grand a year and everyone's starting to drive around and the average, you know, company car is an HSV. Right. Yep. In which case that it will probably sell about 12 of them. But I actually think- I think that- Honestly, I'm not gonna be as cynical as you. I think it's going to do all right. I mean, you look at the Astra, the local sales of Astras in Australia, the previous shape and the current shape, the one that looks like uh, the fridge and the current one, which looks... It was one of the more boring cars in the world. Definitely. Yeah. It, it, I actually think the designer of the previous Astra sat down in his kitchen one day and uh, after being given his uh, design, design brief. brief from his boss and looked at his fridge and gone, hey, we if I put more that doors on, on there and if, wheels and sell it. What what point in his mind did he go, that's a good looking object, I want to make that as a car? It's got two doors, what if it had two on each side? And four With wheels. some doors, and an engine that was slightly bigger. It's not an attractive wheels. car. 
But the, no. late, the current Astri converters is a lot better looking. It's a lot smarter. It's a lot smarter inside. A lot. It feels. It's a. It feels like a more expensive car than it actually is, and uh, it sold quite well in Australia, and uh, uh, a lot better than the Focus. Mm. And I actually, I, I think the Focus is a better car than the Astra. And I say this not just from a uh, uh, because I'm a bit of a Ford guy. I've driven both cars. And I think the yeah, the Focus is a better car to drive and a better car to own. Doesn't have that same look as the Astra though. The Astra is a better looking car. Um, without getting bogged down in details, it's going to be interesting. It's I'm really looking forward to see what's going to happen with this and the way Holden are going to treat it, and as well as Ford and how they're going to treat the Focus. Look, I agree. I think it's a good idea and it'll work well. What what Ford is doing. Will work well. Yep. It it can't not it cannot fail because it's basically a good car. They're just going to make locally. That's right. Yep. Done. Uh, with for with Holden though, again, it's a good concept. But I think that if they are willing to spend a bit more money and be a little bit braver, again, two things that you know may not be so plausible in the current economic climate. They could have done something a lot more. They could have got Definitely. a say a shortened Commodore platform rear wheel drive, most mm. importantly. Mm -hmm. Say, you know, a rebirth of you know of the Tirana. Tirana. But uh, just hold you there though. With four cylinder V six, top end twin turbo V six. The problem is that would have no, sold like hotcakes. Okay. Oh yeah, I agree, but I don't think there's the money in there for it. Mm. I say that because the you can but go this, you can go and buy a Mondeo, which is a good car. You can buy actually. It's, it's historically it's, proven. I'm going to digress. That no one car. just quickly though, it's been historically proven that no one's like that no manufacturer has really ever made money out of small cars making small cars in Australia. True, oh, I agree. And it's uh, and talking about money where the money has come from. It's come from the Australian government. Uh, Tax Excuse pay. me. Yeah, it's come from the taxpayer me. to pay for this car. It has come from the Green Car Fund, which mm. is a. Um, don't want to get bogged down in politics, but uh, yeah, it, it probably would have been a proposition sitting on the table at Holden before they had the money, and uh, and would have been a somewhat viable business case, but not a uh, without the money to push it through, wouldn't have seen, wouldn't have gotten a green light. So it's. Uh, it's, yeah. I don't know. I think it would have got the green light regardless. I think yeah, it's I think a clever idea, but mm. I think they were just sort of cap in hand. And I don't really understand that if it really is just going to be on the Astra platform, then why isn't Ford getting a share of the money as well to build the focus here? And I think, I think their mistake think is they actually are getting some of the money, but not nearly as much as Holden is getting. Mm. But we could be wrong. Don't know the details on that. Now, moving along, let's move to Europe. Sayat, what were you thinking when you thought that the Exio would be a good idea? I mean, you, you, we'll pull up a picture so you should be seeing it now. It is an Audi A4 with a Sayat badge and a slight nose and tail readjustment. That's Looks like it. a Hyundai Audi. It's, yeah, it's like they've got the Audi A4 and gone, let's make it a little bit worse and put a Sayat badge on it. Now, the way I understand it, say it have always been that sort of little that sporty variant of the Volkswagen Audi Empire. Semi-sporty. Semi-sporty. Not, not, not true. Yeah, not not to get on the Lamborghini side of things, but it's the semi-sporty. Could be you know a little bit different. Mm. And then they bring this out. I thought that's what um, Skoda was for to do reskin variants of uh, Volkswagen Audi product. 
Netflix. Well, I think I think that can sort of uh, goes into a wider range of misaligned and mismanaged brands. Yes, brands that just don't really seem to have any focus point that are just quite often owned by a much larger parental company that uh, generally has many different brands mm -hmm. under its umbrella. Mm -hmm. I think this is actually going to do two things. First, why would you buy a Skoda if you can get a say that looks a little bit like an Audi and is out of build quality and it looks as good as an Audi in inside, externally not less so. Secondly, if that Audi I see on the street today I can purchase in two years from now, as I say it, cheaper. Why would I want to buy that Audi? I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it. I really do like me an Audi. An Audi is a good car. It, it looks good. It's uh, they, they probably, I think in my opinion, one of the best interiors in a mass production car you can purchase today. But if I know I can wait two years or three years or however long it may be and purchase a Seat that is identical, why purchase an Audi? It, it's, it's going to... That's why Skoda is there. It, they take the car that came from Audi or Volkswagen or if it's a current line car, what have you, change the panels completely so it looks like a different car. Make it a bit more sober, a little bit more practical. Definitely. Take out some of that pizzazz but replace it with practicality. Mm. Cheaper to produce. Make it cheaper. And put a Skoda badge in it. And that does well. We've seen it work well in Europe. Mm. Skoda are now selling in Australia. Uh, Skoda used to sell in Australia. Skoda have just recently, in 2008, come to Australia. Um, they haven't really set the local market alight. I've only seen one Skoda on the road so far. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. So I've not seen many Skodas on the road. So they haven't taken off as well as we thought they might have. But um, mm. I think they might have to do more with brand recognition. I would have thought they would have taken <laughs> off about as well as... I mean, if they've sold more than, say, 20 cars this year, then they've probably done better than I would have. They've probably done as well as I would have expected. I don't think they've done as well as they thought they would do, no. though, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, I think with more presence, uh, with more adverts as well... I think, uh, actually, honestly, if they did adverts that were very tongue-in-cheek, uh, like the Skoda ads when they first came out in Europe, um, very... Uh, Basically ran on the headline of not as bad as you'd think. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. And they were funny ads, and they were good ads, mm. and they raised awareness of the Skoda brand. Now we need to see a bit more of that in Australia, and I think it, it would be there. Mm. I, I mm. would heartily recommend to people who want to purchase a European car, go look at a Skoda. You mm. will be pleasantly surprised. Mm. Mm. Well, have any final thoughts? Conclusion, I think that this is going to be a tumultuous year. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of regrounding, a lot of uh, reshuffling. Mm -hmm. You may even see a manufacturer go to the wall. I don't think it'll be any of the big ones, but I wouldn't be Christ. surprised... No, yeah, Chrysler's, Chrysler almost went before. They'll be back. They've almost gone a number of times. Yeah, they. I wouldn't be surprised if a few domestic brands in the US that were owned by the General Motors juggernaut sort of called off, like old ceased to exist. Example. Yeah, that that went in '03, mm -hmm. and uh, Plymouth was axed from the Chrysler lineup not long after. And I wouldn't be surprised if a few more directionless brands, maybe like Pontiac. Um, I'm not familiar with a lot of their product, but I'm imagining seeing as none of it gets exported, it's That's probably right. fairly average. Well, they are actually, the Pontiac G8 is a Adelaide-produced car. The, well, it's uh, a Commodore. The Ute. 
It's, that's right, the Holden Commodore, a, actually I think it's a HSV Club Sport mm. R8 off the top of my head, is the uh, Pontiac. Well they uh, sell Pontiac. the entire Commodore range. Um, oh really? I, thought, I think oh, right. pretty much everything. Right from sort of the base V8. Not right quite up. executive, but everything, you know, SS mm -hmm. upwards. Yep. Uh, all get flogged. As well as the as, used uh, Pontiacs. Um, I'm not sure what the name is over there, but uh, that's also being exported over there. So, mm. look, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be a, a year to watch. Yeah. And, uh, and it should be and it should be a year to watch for Handbrake as well. We realise this is our first episode, there are going mm. to be uh, possibly quite a few errors and mistakes that we've made. Um, if you think you'd like to... They may get better. Oh, well, we hope so. If you think you've got any ideas on how to make this episode any better, or you'd like to see something included in the show, or if you've just got a question you'd like us to read out on the show and answer for you in uh, whatever mm. capacity we may do so, write to we'll us. We'll endeavour to answer that We for shall you. do our best. Mm. Um, write to us at handbrake.com tv at gmail.com we will read every single email we promise and uh, whilst we get probably two emails a week we will we'll be able to respond to them mm. so uh, write to us we will read them and uh, if you've got a good question we'll read it out so uh, mm. but uh, thank you for watching it's been a pleasure mm. thank you and uh, hopefully we'll see you next week mm. take care see ya <laughs>